we wanted to recapture what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And one of the things we said is that if we're not obsessed with the love of God for us, there's something wrong and something deficit in our relationship with Christ. The very fact that God would love, as the old song used to say, God would love a sinner such as I, how wonderful is love like this. And we wanna be just captivated and obsessed with the love of Jesus Christ. And, and so one of the principles we put out there in that call of God upon our lives, if we're not still captivated by that, it's probably time for us to revisit our personal devotion to Jesus Christ. We looked at last week the heart of the Father and how the Father loves you, but this week we're gonna, we're gonna wander at the love of Jesus Christ, the heart of Jesus. And when you look at the cross and you see Jesus dying on the cross for us, you realize that Jesus' heart beats for you. His heart beats for me. His heart even beats for those that are crucifying him for he prays for their forgiveness because they don't know what they're doing. When we talk about a heartbeat like this, when you were in high school, you probably had a heart throb. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say a heart throb? You had a crush on somebody that you just, your heart beat for them, and you thought about them. You wrote their name on your notebook. You, you've made secret little compacts together where you talk to one another, and sometimes maybe even as a young person before you knew what was love was all about, but you knew what puppy love was all about, you expressed your love and affection for one another. The heartthrob of the church is Jesus, and the heartthrob of Jesus is his church. When I pick up my Bible, there's a lot of times when I'm talking to people who don't know anything about the Bible, I will say, this Bible is really a personal letter to you. It's a personal letter to me. Jesus sends seven letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation, and you probably read those, but you could easily say the letter to Fred. Fred, God has a letter for you. That may surprise you, but he does. He has a letter for you. You could easily say this morning, the letter for Julie. You could easily say the letter for Bob, the letter for Dennis. You could easily look at this book and say, God has a letter for me. But the cool thing when I look at that in the scriptures is this, is that Jesus says to those seven churches that he calls by name, he says, I am in the midst of you. And whether you feel it, whether you recognize it or not, Jesus Christ is here this morning. Can we make him feel welcome today? Can we just say, welcome Jesus. We're glad you're here at Woodland Church with us. Some time ago, the Lord began dealing with me and, and just kind of just, this is part of how this message began to be birthed in my heart. And the Lord says, you know, you've become more infatuated with keeping the church going. You've become more infatuated with leadership principles. You've become more infatuated with seeing people healed. You, COVID was a challenging time, and I began looking back through my journal and all of the things that I was praying about, and it wasn't that I didn't love Jesus anymore, but it was like Jesus was saying to me, you are drifting from your first love. Stop 
thinking and praying about everything else and just spend time in my presence worshiping me and loving me because the answer to our world is not more leadership principles. The answer to our world is not more management principles. The answer to our world's hurt and cry is not more education. It's not more government. The answer has been, it has always been, Jesus Christ is the answer for you and for I and for everything this world hurts about. But if we don't spend time in the presence of Jesus, then what we end up is taking them principles that aren't solving the problems of the world. They may help the world work a little smoother. They may help the world work a little better, but they're not solving the hard issues of human beings that put them at conflicts with one another. It's not the mechanics. It's not even the substance it's the essence of the church and the essence of my life is Jesus Christ. Jesus at the center of it all. Can you say amen this morning? That's what this world and this heart life that you and I have is all about. Jesus is the prince of the church, the Lord of the church. Everything that happens in church, we want it to pour out of the heart of Jesus. When I pray in this sanctuary and I pray over this pulpit, I say, Lord, let your heart pour out through me. Let your heart be poured out through us as we go out into the world to minister, as we worship you, Lord. Help us to pour our hearts out to you in prayer. I remember distinctly when my relationship with my parents and Becky changed. I mean, I knew that I loved her. I knew that I cared a lot about her, but my dad was, he was always the go-to person in my life. I would go down to the payphone in Bower Hall where I went to college at, and I would pick up the phone. I'd call my dad sometimes, collect, and I would call my dad, collect, and, and we would have a conversation. In a few minutes, he would give me wisdom. He would give me advice. He would give me counsel. I'd hang up the phone. I'd just talk to my dad, and I, I felt so much better and so much more confident about life. But I distinctly remember we're in about the second year of our dating relationship, all of a sudden, I wasn't calling dad as much as I used to. I was talking to Becky more about the things in my life and the things that I was thinking about. And I realized at that point what was happening, and I realized that was love. I realized that was trust. I, I realized that that was confidence that I could talk to Becky, and, 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 and she became a part of that chain of counsel in my life. And of course, that has done nothing but grow through the years, and it's the reason when you have heard me preach a wedding ceremony, one of the things that I talk about is you have to learn how to become each other's best counselor, best advocate, best listening ear in life. And what I think that Jesus is saying to you and me this morning in this message that I'm bringing to you is that Jesus doesn't need our worship and our love to pet him like we would pet our dog. Jesus doesn't need our love so that we would maybe just cuddle him up like we would cuddle up a little baby and, and love the little baby when he's crying. Jesus is Lord of the church. He is Lord of this world. He does not need anything. He just simply loves you and I, and he wants that relationship of love from you and I, that first love where we can truly say, Jesus is at the center of my heart and of my life. Can we give him a hand of praise for that as well this morning? So it made me think about some things that I've been journaling about, I've been writing about, I've been talking to others. And that's the difference between consumed and consumer. You remember once in the scripture, it was said of Jesus, the zeal for the house of the Lord had consumed him. And that word consumed means to be eaten up. 
It means to be devoured. It means to be completely taken with. Jesus was consumed with the house of the Lord. The Bible tells us that you and I are the house of the Lord now. The book of Hebrews teaches us how that we have now come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Today we are here in the presence of holy angels, of God himself, the saints that have gone before us, our loved ones, and here with one another. And Jesus is in the middle of that. To be consumed means that I disappear because I'm swallowed up by something bigger. I remembered at a district council service one time, the pastor that was preaching in that service, and it was a big, large wooden pulpit. How many of you remember those? I mean, you could have built a boat out of those things. They were just big and large. And he simply got down behind the pulpit, and he said, I want to be hidden in Christ. I want to be so consumed in Christ that you don't see me, but you see Jesus. And as a church, we want to be swallowed up, not in our identity as Woodland Church, not in our participation in the Assemblies of God, not even as a member of this community called Down River, and particularly here in Brownstown and Trenton and Woodhaven and Taylor and Flat Rock. We want to be consumed by Jesus Christ. We want the zeal of the Lord to consume us this morning. Can you say amen? But a consumer, according to the dictionary, is defined as people who go to the place, for, to a place, for the sole purpose of getting what they want or getting what they need, and that's the only reason they go is to be a consumer. And you know, I, I've only pastored two churches. I have worked in I don't know how many churches helping them get started. I oversaw 86 churches for the state of Georgia. I preached, and I don't know how many churches and continents around the world, but I have noticed something. Those that are consumed with the passion of the Lord, they're the kind of people, they love God, they love their church, they love one another, they love their pastor, they love their board, they work together to see that the mission of the church is going on every single day in their life. And that's why every single day we do celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. But I've been around long enough, talked with enough pastors and pastors' wives and missionaries and church boards that I've been asked to come in and speak to that I understand that consumers are the quickest to become a critic. You know, I give that message this morning, maybe, maybe a C plus. I give the music, maybe a B plus. And I give the temperature in the church, I give that a D. They just never seem to get it right for me, you know? The lighting, they're critics. They're always quick to criticize what's going on. But they're not only critics, they're casual because they just decide to come to church when they want to come to church. They decide to go to the mall when they want to go to the mall. They decide that they're going to go to the grocery store when they want to go to the grocery store. But when you're consumed with the house of the Lord and with the Lord of the house, with the prince of the church, you're not casual Christians. You're not casual living casual Christianity. You don't let a flimsy the excuse keep you out of the Lord. Oh, I've had a long week. I think I need to lay before the Lord this morning at bedside assembly of God. You don't have this casual attitude, you know. I just think 
I could just go out in nature and be just as close to the Lord fishing as I would at church, as Calvin Coolidge told somebody that told him that when he was president of the United States and he was an ardent follower of Jesus. He says, that's not true. You can't be as close to the Lord out on a boat fishing by yourself as you can when you are gathered with God's people. And furthermore, I know you. You don't pray when you're out fishing. You see, casual Christianity comes out of critics and consumers because they look to purchase something for the church. But when you're consumed, there is a passion for Christ, a passion for the mission of Christ. There is a devotion to Christ and a devotion to his church. And I want you to know the heart of Jesus says this morning, I am not a Lone Ranger Christian. I am not by myself in this, but you and I, we belong to the body of Christ. I belong. Can somebody give him a hand of praise for this morning? I belong to the church. I belong. I'm a part of the body of Christ. We used to sing a song. You will notice we say brother and sister around here because these folks are so dear. We used to sing another song that says, welcome, welcome to the family of God. And we sing another one that said, you're my brother in the Lord because I love you. You're my sister in the Lord and I love you. Our Father is the same. You may say those songs sound a little corny and the music does compared to the music we have today, but the truth of those lyrics are powerful. You and I belong to one another in the body of Christ. And that matters more than you would ever know. You see, the early church would never understand what we say in today's society. I'm going to go to church. Or I've got to go get something. I left it at the church. Or let's meet at the church. The early church would have never understood that because church was not a place. We are the body of Christ. We are the habitation of Christ. We are the city of the living God. These people would not understand casual Christianity, people who show up when they want to, people who serve when they want to, people who come to criticize and complain. These people were willing to risk their lives day in and day out, and they were offered to the wild beast in the Colosseum. They were hunted and pursued and murdered for their faith in Jesus, and yet they showed up, they prayed up, they fessed up, they loved one another, they built one another up because they understand church is not a place, church is you and me this morning. Somebody say amen this morning. Church is us. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible tells us that Christ calls us his brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Jesus, I can't, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around that. It's easy for me to go, I'm a son of God. It's easy for me to go, I'm a servant of God. But for Jesus to look at me and say, Denny, you're my little brother. Man, that's just, I just wonder at that. I mean, I've wondered at Yosemite. I have wondered at Yellowstone. I have wondered at the Alps. I am just awe-stricken with the fact that Jesus Christ loves me and he calls us brothers and sisters. Doesn't that do something for you this morning as well? And furthermore, because we belong, we support one another. My kids loved Legos, loved Legos. How many of you ever stepped on a Lego in the middle of the night? How many of you said something you shouldn't have said when you stepped on that Lego in the middle of the night? Well, you don't have to raise your hands. I just, I identify with you though. Blasted Legos, why can't these kids put these things away? 
But we have several Lego things that we just kind of snitched from our children when they were little, because I probably got more Legos than anybody else in the world does. We snitched them because they put them together. But the thing about Legos is you keep taking those little pieces and you, you put them together and, and they connect and they support one another until finally you build a lighthouse or you build a X-wing Star Wars fighter or you build one that I recently got. You build a Mustang and I can't wait to put it together. You see, those Legos connect and support one another. And my Mustang, I'll let you know when I get done with it, it's supposed to be able to move forward and go for it. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. Long before he had laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love. He had to be made whole and holy, whole and holy by his love. And long, long ago, he decided to adopt you and you and you and me. He decided to adopt us into his family. He chose us. He said, you belong to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. Jesus says, you're my brother. You're my sister. You're the little brother, little sister I've wanted into his family through Jesus Christ. And look at this last sentence. Read it with me. What pleasure he took in planning this. Would you read that again? What pleasure he took in planning this. Look at it again. Read it again. What pleasure he took in planning this. Look at the person sitting beside you this morning and say, you belong to me. You belong. Now, you tell them that you belong to me. And by the way, that's not a marriage proposal or anything like that. It's just, we belong to each other. Barb, you belong to me. Vic, you belong to me this morning. I need you in my life. We belong to one another. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, going on in Ephesians, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Paul calls that a mystery. They are united into one. It is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Put that up on the screen for me. It is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Isn't that powerful? Jesus has chose to become one with you and I. Somebody in our church gave me a book called Bowling Alone by Robert Putnam, and it's kind of an older book, but listen to this quote I took out of it. 25, in over 25 years, and this is kind of an older book I'm telling you, Civic club memberships have down 58%. Families are eating together, eating together have dropped from 50% to 34%. And inviting friends over to your house has dropped 45%. You see, the further, listen to me, don't miss what I'm saying. The further the church gets from the cross, the further the church gets from its first love for Jesus Christ, the further the world gets from the cross. Our job is not to follow the world and be like the church loses its power when it tries to be current with culture. The church maintains its power and its attraction and its magnetism when Christ is at the center of it all. And what has happened is not only the world, but Christians are cocooning themselves with their home theaters, with their, with their gaming systems, in their basements. The Bible says in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. John Wesley said, if your heart is with my heart in love and loyalty to Jesus Christ, take my hands. 
But from time to time, and I've heard the story over and over from people who've become a part of Woodland, people have gotten hurt in church. And don't raise your hand, but if you've been hurt in church before, I'm talking to you this morning, and I love you. Because what I hope you found at Woodland is what the biblical teaching of the church is all about. I not only belong, but I am protected. I am safe in the body of Christ. We've never said, if you could put that up for me, I am protected. We've never said one time that following Jesus is a safe thing to do. The gospel is a dangerous message The gospel is a very dangerous message. It calls us to give up our lives. It calls us to give up our all. We put Jesus at the center. We're no longer at the center of anything. We confess our sins and we follow Christ. But we are protected. I am never on my own. Do you know what kind of confidence that gives me that I'm never on my own? Not only is Jesus watching out for me, not only is the Holy Spirit living in me, and greater is he that's within me that's in the world, but I have brothers and sisters here in this church that are looking out for me. I have friends in our community that are looking out for me. I have a board that looks out for me, pastors that look out for me. I am safe and secure because the chief shepherd of the church knows my name. He knows every hair on my head. He knows everything in my heart. And he has said to me, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, Denny, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I have overcome this world. You may have many tribulations of this world, but fear not, Dennis. I have overcome. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, and so are you this morning. That's what it means to be protected in the body of Christ. I'm confident. I'm less anxious. And yet I deal with people all the time, even in the church, their marriages are strained to the breaking point. Their families are strained to the breaking point. Their jobs are hurting. Their health, their personal crisis, their terminal illnesses. This weekend, I had two great celebrations to be a part of and three deaths to have to be a part of. So you go from these highs and these lows One of the sweetest sisters in our church passed away this week, and I remember when I prayed with her husband to give his heart to Christ in our church, and just the other day, I got to walk into her hospital room, and when she saw me, she's got this beautiful southern accent. That's the way you're going to talk when you get to heaven. And she goes to the nurse, that's my pastor. And I grabbed her and hugged her and loved her, and we talked for a while, we read scripture for a while, we prayed together for a while. It was so good to be there. But you're protected from the time you're born again to the time that you go home to be with Jesus. It's not just God that protects you, but the church is the family of God that supports one another the way Legos do. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 1 with me this morning. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Last night, my wife dissed me during the Saturday prayer service. Online, several hundred people praying with us last night, and Becky called me an old man. I hope you're listening to this verse of Scripture right here. Never speak harshly to an old man, but appeal to him respectfully, woman, as you would to your own daddy. Just got that off my chest. So, (laughs) 
Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. So, Andy, I'll punch you on the shoulder on the way out of here. Tell you I love you, big un. Yeah, bring me a Starbucks when you come to church next time. Treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Trinity, I love you, sweetie. And when I see you, I see the love of Jesus. And every one of us want to protect you around here. Because that's what a family does. Then the Bible talks about pastors as caregivers. Pastors, the word pastor actually means shepherd, overseer, Someone that has to give watch over your soul. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Just as shepherds watch over their sheep, you must watch over, this is, this is what the job description of a pastor is, you must watch over everyone God has placed in your care. And do it willingly in order to please God. Now, isn't that an interesting statement? Do it willingly in order to please God. I can't please my family half the time. There's no way a pastor can please everybody in the church all the time. So God says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about trying to please your family. Don't worry about trying to please your neighbor. Don't worry about trying to please the church. Do it to please God. Somebody say amen this morning. That will make your life a whole lot simpler. Do it to please God, and not simply because you think you must. Let it be something you want to do. Friends, I want to tell you the greatest joy of my life has been serving God in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and being a pastor. When we came here almost 25 years ago, at 44, when I was 44, and I was looking at a picture of our family praying together over here, not just a few months after we came here that somebody took and sent to me, I thank God for the joy and the privilege of having walked with you and lived with you and done life with you through all these years. But at the same time, as I get older, Becky, I, I tremble. Because Hebrews 13, 7 says to you to obey your leaders, do what they say, because they must give an accounting to God. That's not giving me permission to be a dictator to say, do what I want you to do, but to say what God's word says and to do what God's word says. Because I must give accountability, I must account to God for these 25 years that I spent with you, for the almost 50 years of ministry that the Lord has allowed me to have. I have to give an accounting to God. Friends, I am not smart enough, I am not wise enough, I am not strong enough, I am not talented enough, I am not capable enough for that. I need your prayers. And if the Apostle Paul would ask you to pray for him, that he might boldly preach the gospel, I am desperate for your prayers this morning because soon and very soon, I will give an accounting to God for how I've lived and done my ministry. Does that make sense? But God says this because he wants you protected. And then thirdly, there are small groups. Do you know 58 times in the Bible, the Bible says things like this, love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, share with one another. Over and over, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be involved in each other's lives, and I hope when you come to church, you greet one another, as the Bible says. Now, let me just ask you a question before we go through our growth work quickly. Who's watching out for you? And if you're watching online this morning, who's watching out for you? Who's watching out for your soul? Is Jesus at the center of it all? Is he the first love of your life? Maybe you're even a pastor that you're watching this, 
and you've become so wrapped up in the principles of leadership, you've become so wrapped up in the mechanics of building a church, you've become so wrapped up in, in developing leaders that maybe you've forgotten that the essence of this is not the principles, the essence of this is the Prince of Peace. And Jesus says, return to your first love this morning. So in closing, Let's look at this together. John chapter two and verse 17 says, passion for God's house will consume me. I hope a wonder, I hope there will be a consumption in your life with the body of Christ in particular here at Woodland. The first thing I would say to you is show up. I'm not preaching this to make anybody feel guilty at not. I'm preaching because casual Christianity grieves the heart of God. Lukewarmness grieves the heart of God. God is not up there keeping attendance records. We do. But God's not putting black marks by your name, and we're, we don't either. But we do it because we want to be good pastors. And God knows that we need consistency in our place in the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Yeah. Secondly, I'm asking you to listen up. Typically, when we leave church, after the worship service, and I've greeted people and prayed with people, I don't want to talk a whole lot. If we have guests for dinner, then obviously I get very engaged in that. But I just need to be quiet. It's nice if Becky says, honey, you did a great job. It's nice if somebody encourages you and says, thanks for the message. But what I want to hear is the voice of the Father. And so may I encourage you when you come to church, listen up. Ask God to speak to you. Ex look at me. Don't miss this. Expect a personal encounter with Jesus Christ every time we gather as the church. As you enter the house of God, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. And you'll recognize this next phrase from a chorus we sing here, and let your words be few. And then thirdly, roll up. Roll up. I mean, think about what God has called you to do in life. Think about your ministry. And we're going to talk about that in this series eventually. It's be wondered that God has something for you to do. Not every open door is from God. Not every closed door is God closing a door. We have to have that discernment sometime. But I am so honored when I am trusted and asked to do something. And so I, I roll up my sleeves. I have a little video I shot of my niece and her daughter. They're singing and dancing to Toby Max, Help is on the way. And I'm watching them, they're singing, and they talk about God rolling up his sleeves, and they're dancing. I'm not going to dance. That would freak you out this morning. But 
they're rolling up their sleeves as they're dancing. And I'm so proud of my niece. She's a passionate follower of Christ, but I watched her daughter just consumed, consumed knowing that in Christ, help is on the way. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, and their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and say, God wants you to prosper in all you do. God wants you to prosper in all you do. Joe, look at me. God's talking to you this morning. He's using me. God wants you to prosper in all you do. Isn't that good news? But meditate in his word. Stay in his presence. And then finally, pray up. You're going to remember all four of these. Pray up. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, request, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, the church. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Would you stand with me this morning? I was invited to be a part of a large meeting this week. And it was an honor to participate and represent our congregation, represent our church, our community. And then the person that was offering the invocation came to me and said, Pastor Clank, can I talk to you for just a moment? They're not a minister but they love the Lord. And he said, I'm a little troubled. He said, I was asked to give this invocation, but I was specifically told, do not pray in the name of Jesus. I said, really? He goes, yes, it's just do not pray in the name of Jesus. So I just shared with them, I said, listen, whoever this person is, and he told me, so I'll be having, I've made a, making an appointment to talk with him. I never asked my Muslim friends not to pray in accordance to their faith. I never asked my Jewish friends not to pray in accordance to their faith. I will not disrespect their religion. I don't believe it, but I will not respect it. I mean, I will not disrespect it by asking them to be authentic, inauthentic. And I said, this is what you've been asked to do because prayer that is generic is not prayer. Are you listening to me? Prayer that is generic is not prayer. When one of my friends from another faith will call me, I'll always say, I can't pray unless you allow me to pray in the name of Jesus for them, because that will be, none of them have ever asked me not to. And I said, well, why do you call me to ask you to pray? Why do you call me to ask me to pray for you? Because I know God answers your prayers. That's the reputation I want Woodland Church to have, that people know that God answers our prayers. But we will never deny the name of Jesus Christ. 
because Jesus is the center of it all. It's why we're saved. It's why we're on our way to heaven. It's why there is a church. It's why we can prosper in everything we do. It's why we are brothers and sisters in Christ. May the zeal of, for the house of the Lord consume us because Jesus dwells in the midst of the church today. Can we give him one more hand of praise? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for this hour that... We have been able to spend together praying, worshiping, Lord, partaking of the blood and the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We are in wonder that you love us and that you even come and live among us now. We may not see you, but many of us feel you in our hearts this morning. And even though we may not feel you from time to time, we know by faith that Christ you dwell within us, and you dwell within us as a church. We recognize that we stand in the presence of the unseen heavens where holy angels and those that have died in faith, Lord, including the sister from our church this week, that they are there, Lord, rejoicing in you. And I pray that you will make us bold expressors of your love wherever we go. And Father, if there's anyone listening, watching, or here today that has never given their heart to Jesus, would you touch them? Would you convict them that Jesus Christ loves them and came to forgive them of their sins? And if that's you, would you just simply pray this prayer with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And thank you that you live today in the hearts of all of those who follow you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Now may the smile of the Lord himself be upon you. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. May the power of the Holy Spirit make you effective witnesses for him. And may you prosper in everything you do for the Lord together. Go in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.